0: hello and welcome from mount pleasant baptist church this podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our kubalup campus so sit back relax and enjoy what god has to say to you as we continue uh, in uh, the series on the feasts uh, today we deal with the feast of trumpets the feast of trumpets Not too much in the scriptures with reference to the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, Suffice to say that it's the Jewish New Year. It's called Rosh Hashanah and it's basically the Jewish New Year. The way we celebrate the first of January as being the calendar New Year uh, for the people uh, that followed uh, God in the Old Testament. It was basically their New Year's celebration. And essentially, uh, what the book of Leviticus talks about, only one verse in Leviticus 23, verse 24, it talks about uh, the Feast of Trumpets. And it's a memorial. And the word memorial uh, of blowing of trumpets is, uh, it's a meeting. Now, this is profound, folk. It's a meeting or a rehearsal. Get it? It's a meeting or a rehearsal Of what would take place in the future. Now you might not know what I'm talking about yet, uh, but basically that as this trumpet sounds, one day the trumpet will sound one final time and it will all be over. The way we know things will all be over if we are still alive. The trumpet will sound one more time. Now As the Israelites traveled in uh, the Old Testament, as they were taken out of Egypt on the way to the promised land, there were certain rules and regulations, and we read about them in the book of Leviticus, but also in Numbers uh, chapter 10, uh, where you begin to see how uh, these Israelites began to put rules in place that God had given them, and there was a sounding of a trumpet. And basically what that means is uh, it's a memorial for you. In verse 10, the author says, Memorial for you before your God. What about what memorial? Colon, I am the Lord your God. And the word Lord there, you can see, is different from the other times that it's spelled capital L, small o, r, d. Here it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which means Yahweh or Yahweh. Because there's no vowels in the Hebrew, so it's Yahweh. God is Lord, the sovereign Lord that is in total, total control. You cannot get a name higher than the name Yahweh. And so it's, it's a memorial. A memorial for what? A rehearsal for What? Well, basically, that God had come down uh, to the people on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. The sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai. And we know that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and that installation of that old covenant. And basically, this sounding of the trumpet marked... A God as Almighty, that He is Yahweh, uh, that He is their lawgiver and their ruler, and He is their sovereign God. Now, every time the trumpet sounded, you could read it in the book of Numbers. They were to do something. Sometimes the trumpet sounded once, uh, and the, the the tribes on the east would move. Other times it would sound twice, and then the uh, The tribes on the west would move. And so it it was so there could be uh, organization. But it was also a reminder that God is in charge. When the trumpet sounds in a certain way, they'd go to war. When the trumpet sounds in a certain way, they would go to sleep. When the trumpet sounds in a certain way, they would move on as they journeyed to the promised land. When the trumpet sounds in a certain way, they would stop. Imagine over 2 million people on a journey to the promised land. It's not as if it took them, they intended 14 days from Egypt to the promised land. It took them 40 years. So there was organized chaos without the blowing of the trumpets. And so, but it was also a reminder that when God says, I am with you, every time the trumpet blows, when God says, I'm with you, I will lead you to where I am instructing you to go. It was a reminder for them that God is in charge. Not because of the calendar, but because of the deep spiritual principle that God is in control. That although the numbers don't stack up, God sends them to war. And that's a topic for another occasion. God sends them to war. Why? Because he is the one that is in charge and will allow his name to be glorified. When the nations around look that they will see that he is the true and living God and that he is in control. And so this Feast of Trumpets is a day to remember that God is their sovereign one. And as they obey him, he wants to give them a message. Are you ready to move on? Are you ready to obey what I'm uh, doing for you? Because that takes a major step of faith. God, there are only a few thousand of us Yet the enemy are tens of thousands, yet God leads them and they overcome that war. They overcome that battle because God is in control. Now you'll remember uh, uh, the other feasts like the Feast of Passover that looked forward uh, to Christ's redemptive sacrifice. You'll remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, that, that had to do with the foreshadowing of the, the Christian's escape from the bondage of sin. Then the Feast of Pentecost, which uh, Mark spoke about last week, uh, prefigured God's gift of the Holy Spirit. So what does this trumpet anticipate? What does this Feast of Trumpets anticipate? Well, we have a glimpse of it in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, and it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, folk, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, in verses 1 to 6, there are four different interpretations on how you can read that passage. Well, is it there to confuse us? Probably. Hopefully. Because you could be a pre-trib pre-tribulation person you could be a post-tribulation person you could be a pre-millennial person a post-millennial person you could be a millennial you could be dispensationalist whatever those fancy things mean I don't think we're ever supposed to know when Christ will return hence the title of the sermon ready are you ready in fact, Jesus actually said that only the Father knows when the end will be. The book of Revelation, not revelations, it's one revelation, it's the Greek word apokalypsis, which means uh, to unveil. And so we begin to understand that there will be an unveiling. In fact, chapter 1 says those things that were in the past, and then the chapters 2 and 3 uh, to the seven churches, and then from chapters 4 to uh, the end in chapter 22, there is this unveiling of what will take place. Apo, from, Galipto unveil. So it's as if my wife made a beautiful pot of soup. And she's made many, as you can see. (laughs) And I I say to her, what kind of soup is it? She says, have a look. I take the lid off and I can see some chicken in there. Because I can see the chicken leg bones. I can see some meat in there. Only as I consume that soup will I know what the other contents are. And that takes place over time. And when will I know that the end has come? When I've hit the bottom. When I've finished that whole pot of soup, the end will come. When will the end come? When I've got to the bottom of the soup. When I've got to the bottom of the soup, the end will come. Do you see how they both work hand in hand? But only as we work ourselves through time will the end come. When will that be? When we get to the bottom. When will the bottom come? When we work our way through it. So God wants us to live our lives as if we are on our way to the promised land, if you like, metaphorically. When we see him, we'll be like him. And then as we do that, we begin to enjoy the contents of this soup. And God, it's not pumpkin. No, but as you consume that soup, as you live your life on this earth, God wants you to enjoy the things of this world, what I mean the things of this world, as a man or woman of God, as you live a life that's pleasing to Him, and be ready because He is coming to live a life in hope, and in anticipation. The word hope is a Greek word, elpis, which means you work toward what that hope is. And so we believe as Christians that Christ will come. We live in such a way that he is already on his way. That's our hope. We're constantly going to the window metaphorically and saying he's on his way. Listen up, the final trumpet is about to go off. It's about to be blown. Are you ready? That was a reminder of great things to come. In fact, one day that final trumpet will blow. It says in Revelation eleven fifteen, 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. When will that be? When the final trumpet sounds. When will the final trumpet sound? When God wants it to happen. What happens in between then? Well, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he tries to explain to these people what the process will be. So we take up the reading in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verses 50 to 58. Paul writing. Now he's writing to people who are not stupid but he's writing to people who are very clever but too clever for themselves and I'll explain that soon he says I declare to you brothers and sisters that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit imperishable listen I tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will rise, or be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory What is Paul saying here? I think, firstly, he wants them to understand. He says, I declare to you. And he would only say, I declare to you, because there is some great declaration that he wants to make. He wants them to understand something. You see, for those people in Corinth, which uh, they were the great capital of philosophy at the time. And with philosophy, you have a claim. You claim a certain thing. And then you have to present an argument, an argument that is acceptable, reasonable, and based on good grounds. And then somebody else can come and argue against you. It's called a counter-argument, and you begin to discuss that. They call that philosophia, love of wisdom. Philo, love, sophia, wisdom. I think it's love of knowledge. It's love of arguing. You go to the Greek villages, to the villages in Cyprus, you find people arguing. You know, they're doing philosophy, you see. And so, what they were doing uh, was discussing what's going to happen to us. Well, it does not make philosophical sense when you make a claim that there'll be a resurrection of the body. That doesn't make sense because when a body dies, you put it in the grave. This doesn't make sense. How can a body rise from the dead? That does not make sense because A leads to B, leads to C, leads to D. And a dead body filled with flesh and blood is dead. It cannot rise from the dead for the philosophers, you see, because rationally speaking, it doesn't make sense. And that's why Paul takes this whole chapter to explain to him, I want you to comprehend this, I want you to understand this well. What do I want you to understand? That your body will rise from the dead. He wants them to understand that very, very well. And in fact, uh, the the point there uh, in verse 50 is he talks about the nature of this resurrection, the nature of this resurrection that this resurrection that's going to become, because they were struggling to understand this. It doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't make philosophical sense, because he says, listen, there, there will be uh, the, the the perishable, which is the Greek word, thora, which means decay. Your flesh and blood will decay. Now, we know that, and I, uh, you know, sadly had to bury my father uh, in 2002, and uh you know, when we go back to South Africa, we try and visit his graveside, and I'm wondering, Dad, can you hear me when I'm talking to you? I mean, a bit of romanticism there, to, you know, it's my dad. You know, I wonder what part of him has not been eaten by the worms, to put it quite bluntly. What will happen to his body if Christ were to return? And so you begin to think these things. But Paul writes and he says, listen, those are things that are decaying. They are perishable. Then he carries on and he says, that will be replaced and you will inherit the imperishable, the unending, that that is, that will exist forever. In fact, he uses another metaphor. He says that you and I who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will inherit We are heirs, H-E-I-R-S, kleronomos is the Greek word, which actually means you will inherit and you are the one that administers that inheritance. The one who gives it to you is in control because he knows what he's doing. Why does he know what he's doing? Because he died, but the grave could not contain him. He rose on the third day. He rose on the third day. And folk, there are many, many people who struggle with the resurrection. I grew up in the Orthodox Church, and there are other churches as well. And in fact, it's a statistic that in the Orthodox and and Roman Catholic churches, and this is not an offense to anybody, but the, the truth is that Good Friday, the churches are full. Easter Sunday, they're not so full, because people struggle with the resurrection. They can handle the death of Jesus. He died for our sins. They put him on a cross. Resurrection, uh, don't push it. Dead people can't rise. Well, Jesus rose from the dead. And that is why we are able to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets because he is the resurrected one. And that's why you and I will one day be with him. When we see him, we will be like him. No more flesh and blood. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God but it's got to do with inheriting this inheritance that will come one day. What will we inherit? Well, nothing that is mortal, but we will inherit the immortal. Not the perishable, but imperishable. And that will happen one day when the final trumpet will blow. So the question I ask myself as I ask you, are you kitted out for the occasion? Are you kitted out for the occasion? We know that if we send astronauts to the moon, we give them a special suit. Well, for you and I, we need to be prepared for that occasion. And what is that occasion? Well, Paul writes and he says, put on Christ. Just as that particular astronaut puts on a suit that will be good for him when he goes into space, you and I put on Christ. And, and w- when he talks about put on Christ, the, the image there is there is a picture of a suit that you fall into. His name is Jesus. You put on Christ. Before we were ex-Christ, outside of Christ, now we put on Christ. He says in verse 53 that this perishable body was uh, must put on the imperishable and this Uh, mortal body puts on immortality it's a new world that will come we will be transformed how that will take place I don't know as a theologian I want to know and I want to know now please I want to know what I'm gonna look like because if I'm in the grave and only half of me has been eaten because the worms came from this side what about this half will I have more hair will this be gone how will I be? Will I be fitter? <laughs> what's going to happen? Will I know other people? What about those who have been? Um, what's the word that you put ash, make them cremated? I knew that. That when when people are cremated, what's going to happen to them? We're never supposed to understand that. And when people force themselves and speculate what's going to happen, folk, that's dangerous ground because Jesus said that only the Father knows what's going to happen. No wonder Paul says in verses 51 and 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Mysterion is the word there, which actually a hidden secret. It's not obvious to understand is what mystery means. It's not obvious to understand. But you know what the good thing is? Although we don't comprehend it, we do understand it. What does that mean? Although we don't fully get it, we get it. Why is that? Because Christ is the one that is in control of it, and when we see him, we will be like him. It will all fit together. Now, folk, I don't know about you, but I'm comfortable with this. Because if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, Those 20 packets of Tim Tams that are left in the cupboard will be gone by tomorrow. (laughs) Those crazy things I wanted to do, I will do, and just before the Lord returns, I will confess. Now, you laugh because you can relate to that, hey? Well, that's human nature. But you know what's being said here? Be ready because it's a mystery. Live your life not in fear. I grew up and uh, I kind of thought I was a Christian but used to do the night clubbing a little bit, um, you know. uh, And I thought if the Lord returns now. You know when you go somewhere and you go, I'm not supposed to be here. This is wrong. I can't enjoy myself because if the Lord returns now, I'm finished. It's over for me. That's how I understood it. And you live, uh, you know, according to the law. But now you kind of go, what a pleasure, what a blessing, what a wonderful place it is to know who Christ is, and wherever I am, and I won't probably be there, you know, in those crazy places, but wherever I am, it's his prerogative, and you know what? I can't wait for it to happen. His name is Jesus, but he says that there'll be major changes that will happen. What are those major changes? Well, Uh, And the word change there, just by the way, is the word alasso, which means you exchange one thing for another. There's a total transformation. And things will never be the same again when this final trumpet sounds. And he says, firstly, the change that will take place is there'll be a, a universal change for every Christian. And my understanding of that is that whether when Christ comes and there's still people alive on this earth, those who have not died or fallen asleep, as Scripture says, they will all be changed in an instant. So in other words, those who have passed away, and you and I that are still alive, if Christ were to come tomorrow or tonight, whatever, we will be changed immediately. We will all be changed. All of us. Into what? Into what Jesus is like. But he also says that there'll be immediate change. And the word he uses for that is in the twinkling of an eye. He actually uses the word atomos, where we get the English word atom. Now I'm told that an atom is so tiny that you cannot actually divide it. I think. It's so tiny you cannot actually divide it. That's the metaphor that, that is used here by Paul to actually explain to them. It's going to happen instantaneously. You'll be transformed instantaneously. It won't be a process that, you know what, if you were buried and only half of you was eaten, you'll start growing. We don't know these things. If you're cremated, uh, then you know what, you'll grow a body, whatever the case might be. That's not our prerogative to speculate on. Will it be in the image that you will best ever, you know, on your wedding day perhaps, or on the day that, we're not uh, supposed to know those things, I don't think. But one thing I do know is that uh, we will be, everybody will be changed firstly, secondly, it will happen in a flash, and thirdly, uh, when will that take place? Well, synchronize your watches, we're not supposed to know that. What we are supposed to know is that the last trumpet will sound when it's the last time for it to sound. When will that be? We don't know exactly. But one thing we do know, that in that very instant, those who believed in Christ will be with God. And those who did not believe in Christ will not be with God. You see, we try and comfort ourselves many, many times and say, well, the gates of hell will be closed from the inside. You know, and say, well, those who don't want God, they'll actually say, God, you stay out and we're just going to close the door from the inside. Well, if it was only that way, it's not like that at all. That's why I never want to take my faith for granted because from a spiritual perspective, we have this revelation that Christ has allowed us to look in and discover what an awesome thing it is to be his child, to call him father. You know, people say, well, there's still a bit of time. There's no time, friends, because we don't know when it will happen. We don't know when it will happen. So there's no time to delay, because delay is decay. If you don't know Christ and you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, don't waste your time and live in absolute fear and drudgery that may be. Oh, I just want a little place in the corner of heaven. You're either in to enjoy the fullness of the presence of God or you're not. And I can tell you now, it's to comfort our own souls that we say, well, we'll just you know choose to keep Christ outside. You won't have a choice in the matter. The choice comes now. Not when uh, you die. It's too late. The time is now. But you know what? You can say like Paul, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Why? Because there is this celebratory victory in verses 54 to 57. Why? Earlier on in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 26, he spoke about, you know, the, the actual last enemy will be done away with. In fact, it has been done away with on the cross of Calvary. But when that final trumpet sounds, it will be finally done away with. It will no longer be. And that is the enemy of sin. Sin. And he talks about that. That that uh, is something to celebrate about. He says that, that death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 54. Now listen to this word swallowed up. It's actually, it's the word katapino, which means to drink down, to devour, to destroy. Now, even if you, excuse the illustration, even if you bring it up again later, it never comes out in the way it went in. Now, let me get a bit more graphic. You know what I mean? Okay, let me leave it there then. thought you'd get it quickly. If you've eaten food and it doesn't gel with you and it's got to come out, it doesn't look exactly the same as it went in. That's exactly what is being spoken of here. Death is swallowed up in victory. History, no more death. It will never look the same again. Why? Because Jesus did it. You see, one of the commentators, uh, Paul Barnett, said this way, death is like a schoolyard bully before whom other children cowered until a stronger one came along and defeated him giving all others freedom and hope. He's been a bully, but you never need to fear him ever again. He has been defeated. There's freedom and hope for all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul can say, oh death, where is your sting? And that word sting in verse 56 there is the death, uh, or oh, the sting of death, which is sin, the one that uh, attracts us. And he says, the sting, the kendron, and folk, when a bee stings you, it's not so it can commit suicide. A bee stings you with the intention to wipe you out. It doesn't get it that you're not gonna die, but that's its purpose. When a scorpion stings you, its intention is to harm you. And that's what sin does. It's not there to say, well, you know what, you'll grow as you sin. No, it doesn't do that doesn't do that sin is wicked it's evil and we need to stay away from that and so Paul says we rejoice because the sting of death is sin and we can say praise God in verse 57 thanks be to God that that is all over and what is he thankful for again victory through our Lord Jesus Christ he says thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ Through Christ, we have that victory. And the Greek word for victory is the uh, the word Nike, Nike, N-I-K-E. You know that swish, just do it. That's a biblical term. We have victory. We have overcome because of what Christ has done for me and for you on the cross. I want us to prepare for communion now. If you want to start um, your journey (laughs) of trying to open these little things. Thanks be to COVID. While you're opening, let me read you a passage. Paul writes and he says, for I received from the Lord. This is a couple of chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 23. And I don't know if you've recognized this before. So while we are still alive and while we gather in community or however you celebrate your communion we eat the bread representing his body, we drink of the cup, remembering his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins, not with silver or gold, but the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now listen to what he says in verse 26, for whenever you... Eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And then for the first time I realized, until when do we do this? Until he comes. Until he comes. That word comes is the Greek word erchome, which means until he appears again. Get it? Until he appears again, until he comes, until he enters our presence. In fact, that word actually means to fall, to fall out. Not that he's going to fall out the sky. But when he comes, we, we will no longer celebrate the bread and the cup. Because we do it in remembrance of him until he comes. Wow. That is so profound. It's got to be profound. Because God put it in, this, in the word. And so we celebrate the body of Jesus given for you and for me to reconcile us back to himself, but also his blood that was given for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's eat and drink together in Jesus' name. Our Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you gave of yourself so we might be set free. Thank you, Lord, that before we were in Christ, we didn't believe this. It didn't make sense. But now that we are in Christ, Lord, it makes absolute perfect sense. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your goodness and your love. We give you honor and glory for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.